0: Hello there, Trinity at the Well and Emerson United Methodist Church. It's Pastor Jacob Burson. Uh, with today's sermon, we're podcasting our sermons now, trying things a little bit different. You know, this season, this COVID season, we get to try out a we get to try out a lot of new things, see how things work, experimenting, uh, research and development. Something in my, my background, my previous career I'm used to, so I like trying new things. Yesterday we tried some new things for Sunday for recording the message, had a few technical difficulties. That's just kind of what happens going through the learning process. So I am re-recording today's sermon sitting here on a picnic table at Dillinger Park. So I am in a great spot. I'm in a cathedral right here covered up with some massive big old tall pine trees. So I feel right at home. I feel just fine sitting on this picnic table. uh, Imagining that you're sitting somewhere similar right now listening to this podcast, this sermon, sitting in traffic, wherever you find yourself. Just glad that you're listening today. So we're going to be, this is our last Sunday in the book of Mark. So shocker, we're in Mark. This is our 12th Sunday in this series, this Come, Follow Me series from the book of Mark. So we'll be in Mark chapter 16 today, verses 1 through 8. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8, if you want to follow along. Verse 1 says this, As When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him, anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, And they they were saying to one another, Who will roll away this stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It is very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee there you will see him just as he told you and they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God so this is our last our last message in this series this Mark series come follow me series where we were looking at the book of Mark and the way Mark writes his gospel of giving us the examples that Jesus set place in his life, the way that he lived um, as, as the Messiah, the way he performed his earthly ministries. We, many key, key themes we learned in this series over and over again. We learned how the kingdom of God elevates the marginalized, protects the vul, vulnerable folks, and finds its strength and weakness. Uh, through following Jesus, we learn to live in his kingdom and live as previews of the coming glory that 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 comes with with christ's return we learned that jesus was rejected in his own hometown that nazareth missed out on the ministry of jesus they had limited vision they couldn't they knew the history of jesus but their vision was limited of him they they did, they could just could not believe that he was the messiah even though they saw the miracles and heard the stories uh, they couldn't believe it, so they missed that opportunity. We learned that great opportunity usually comes to us looking like great opposition. That to be a part of the move of God usually means we must give up the familiar and that we got to pursue the impossible and the unpredictable. That's just the way it goes in this life. We learned that if we want to find God, if we want to find Jesus today, that He can be found. We were given that uh, very specific instruction, direction that you want to find Jesus today, He can be found when we care for the forgotten, the abandoned, the broken, the sick, and the left behind. That if we want to be great, that we must be last. It's totally counter to the world that we live in. Do you want to be great? We have to humble ourselves and be a servant. Be a servant for the people who have been abandoned, forgotten, and neglected. The homeless and the sick. We learned in this series that to be a Christian means that we must bear fruit. That we have no other option than to bear fruit in our lives. We learned about the fig tree that Jesus cursed that should have had some kind of figs there. Not the fully ripe figs, but some kind of fruit, and he cursed that tree. And just like that fig tree, us as believers, we are supposed to bear fruit. That fruit is the fruit of repentance, the fruit of abiding in Christ, and the fruit that when people see us and live life with us, that they will know us by our works. They will know us by the love that we show each other, and they will know us by the love that we show the community and the world that we live in. Yep, that's the kind of fruit that we're supposed to bear But what I love about Mark's gospel Here we are in chapter 16 is This is a cliffhanger gospel The Mark's gospel is Chapter 16 ends And that's the end of the book of Mark It ends with the women running away Afraid from the tomb Terrified, scared to death Jesus is not there And they leave the tomb Scared I love those cliffhanger shows We had in the 80's i grew up i'm a kid born in the late 70s grew up in the 80s the sitcoms of the 70s 80s and 90s they used to love to end the the weekly show would end in some kind of cliffhanger and they also had cliffhangers right in the middle of the show i can remember as a kid watching the dukes of hazard and the duke boys would would jump that general lee across the river and it would pause in midair and then uh, waylon jennings would come on at the narrator and he would say "Uh uh-oh looks like the Duke boys got themselves in a bind this time. And we would always wonder, I'd be scared to death on a commercial break, that something was going to happen to Bo and Luke. That this time they weren't going to either get away. On a side note, by the way, Bo and Luke Duke used to run from the cops all the time. But when they would get away, the cops would see them the next day at the Piggly Wiggly and they wouldn't try to apprehend them. They would just be like, <laughs> just let them go. It's a whole different subject. But the, but the show had cliffhanger moments, had moments where things just kinda left you in a balance. This is exactly what's happening here in, in Mark 16. Now, some of your Bibles, you may actually have verse, a verse after Mark 16, verse number eight. You may have verses nine through 20 in your Bible, or you may have them in your Bible with a little asterisk that'll say that some of the early manuscripts of, of the Bible did not include verses nine through 20. And that's because a lot of the early believers uh, and uh, early biblical theologians just couldn't come to grips that Mark ended his gospel in the cliffhanger moment, that that Mark didn't get to telling us and showing us the resurrected Jesus. So they kind of added some things in there, nothing heretical, but they just weren't comfortable with it. So they added some, some text in there that paralleled. Uh, if you've ever heard of commentaries, they basically added a commentary based on the other texts. So... It's not that it's heretical. It's just that Mark intended to end his gospel on verse number 8. The early manuscripts that we have, the earliest ones we have, don't include verses 9 through 20. Mark wanted us to end in this cliffhanger moment. Mark, his entire gospel was about the way Jesus lived his life, and he pointed to the cross and everything. Mark constantly pointed to the cross in the life of Jesus and this is what he did with his gospel ending in this cliffhanger moment he left it there with the empty tomb so that we had to come to grips with who Jesus was that we had to continue on with the story that it was a time for us to pause and think like you see so many times in Psalm it says Selah, just to sit and think in the moment this, this text is interesting because this story is interesting because of the significance that it puts in this moment in, in world history that these women were there for this last scene in the book of Mark. These women who would not have been considered important in the world in the day of the time, not just in the Jewish world, but in the pagan community, these women are here in this very important moment. This is just another one of those examples of the upside down kingdom of God. That first, that to be great, that you've gotta be last, that up is down. And down is up. And here are these women coming out of the woodwork after seeing their Savior, their Lord, seeing Jesus, captured, beaten, tortured, crucified, and killed. And here they are present in the moment. It's interesting in, in the chapter before, in Mark chapter 15, Mark mentions them by name again. He says that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and of James the Younger, and Joseph's. And Salome, he says that they were they were there, that they were there and present um, for Jesus's crucifixion. And then in the next chapter, he mentions them by name again: Mary, Mary, mother of James, and Salome. He says he mentions them again. Very significant for them to be mentioned for two back to back two back to back chapters. It means they were important. It means that they mattered. It means that they were super extremely significant which was completely counter to the world that they lived in in that day in that time you see if the if the bible was was a was a book of mythology then that is something you rewrite because at that time women were not very significant considered second class citizens of that day and for hundreds nearly up until today women were considered second class citizens so for the entirety of the of the most of history as we know it, since this story, if you're trying to write this as a myth, you're not making this significant moment be centered about the, around these women. If you're rewriting history, trying to write a, a phenomenal story, you're putting the men in this story. You're not putting these women here in this moment. But this is exactly what Mark does. It's that upside down kingdom of God at work once again. Mark is emphasizing the importance of these women He intends and is intentional to to let us know that they're disciples, followers of Jesus, right there along with the 12 apostles, that they are right there with Him through all of these difficult moments, the upside-down kingdom of God, that God is too big for there to be small people. God is too big for there to be small people. This massive moment, this could have been Peter or James or John, but it's these women. They see the tomb first. Mary and Mary and Salome. They see the tomb empty first. You know, it's really easy a lot of times in our life to overlook the small people and not think about the small people. We overlook them in our jobs. We overlook them at school. We overlook them in our churches. If you're in church leadership, it's easy to overlook the people who do a lot of the work behind the scenes and not consider them just as important. You know, in football, a lot of times, you know, we'll, there's this um, comparison all the time that the, the quarterbacks and the running backs get all the glory and that the linemen are forgotten about. It, that's true to a point. It's true to a point until you start coaching sports or coaching football or getting involved, and then you you, you know how important the linemen are. People may say, <laughs> people may say that the, the linemen are forgotten about, but I need you to go ahead and go check out some of those paydays some of these left tackles are getting in the NFL. But a lot of times we forget about the small people. We forget how important they are. Say see, God is too big. God is too big for there to be small people. A lot of times we overlook small people because we try to elevate ourselves. We We think of ourselves as being small. So we will reach and try to maybe sometimes create leadership opportunities just so we can have a leadership position. So we chase that title. That could be yard sale coordinator. And we go get that title and we just, have that position we're just chasing a title however pathetic that title may be it's just a position so that we can lord that power over somebody even if it's for 30 minutes on a saturday negotiating deals for a nickel pair of socks we do that a lot of times it's really you know what the easy game to play is an easy game to play is to compare your strengths to somebody else's weaknesses that's an easy game to play i can win that game all day long When I take what I'm really good at or what I'm, air quotes, semi-powerful at, and I, I weigh that to somebody else's weaknesses, it's really easy to elevate myself and try to make somebody else look small. I don't know why we tend to do that sometimes. We do that in gossip. We talk about folks where they're weak, try to make them feel small, look small, try to elevate ourselves and our insecurities. Listen, God is too big for there to be small people. We try to elevate ourselves to be great, and there we go again putting people last. Haven't we learned anything in any of this? That last is great, and up is down in God's kingdom. God is too big for there to be small people. Just thinking about this image of these women walking to this tomb, the Scripture says that Sabbath had passed. So Sabbath had passed, they had to go buy these spices to help prepare Jesus' body for burial so that the, the smell wouldn't be so bad, so that, you know, it's just what they did. It was tradition, it was customary at the time. That was just the funeral home of the day. And the scripture says they waited till Sabbath. The Sabbath had passed to purchase the, um, the spices, and they had to because the stores weren't open. I don't know if you remember back in the day, on Sundays, town was pretty much shut down on Sundays you really couldn't get a lot done other than go eat maybe at Ryan's or Morrison's or whatever cafeteria buffet place that you used to go eat at on Sundays and this is kind of that same situation they had to wait for the Sabbath to be over so that they could go purchase the spices and they're walking towards the tomb and I can, you can almost visualize them walking on that path and they're in uh, they're depressed Jesus is dead and then they walk up to the tomb and the stone is rolled away I mean, just think of that conversation. Think of them chatting with each other and talking about that moment. Think of what, they, what they've seen. You know, they kind of walk up on the tomb, and the day that Jesus was, was buried in the tomb, when the wealthy Joseph donated his, his tomb to have Jesus buried in, you know, maybe they thought they were lost. Maybe they were arguing with each other like, No, nah, we made a wrong turn back there by that bush. This, this tombstone is rolled away. And you can think about that discussion then they start talking about the day of Jesus' death and they're like no i remember i remember we walked down that path i can remember crying and these tears here in this place and now i can't believe the stone is rolled away we were trying to figure out how we were going to roll the stone away now the stone is rolled away and they've got to be scared to death in this moment they have to already be terrified because if people find out that the stone is rolled away What are they going to do? There's going to be an investigation on these women. They're the first ones on the scene. Jesus' body is not in the tomb. They peeked in. They could see from a distance. His body was gone. Maybe in that moment they thought for just a second, maybe we should just roll that stone and cover the tomb back up and act like we never saw anything here. If we could just cover that tomb back up, if we could just roll that stone back in front of that tomb, Jesus is dead let's just go back to the lives that we used to live before he before we got involved in his ministry we used to just live our life you know things we've seen some great things in his ministry we've seen the miracles he's performed we've he we've he's taught us some some great lessons but he's dead now let's just roll that stone back over cover up that tomb let's just go about our life a lot of times we think that too in our faith journey a lot of times we'll think that we need to If we could just forget what we've heard about Jesus and forget what we've heard about God and we can just close that off, close that tomb in our mind and get back to life just living, not being present in the moment or thinking about a creator God and the whole universe who's provided so much for us. And we'll try to close that piece off when we struggle in faith, when we struggle in belief. But then something always happens, doesn't it? A sunset or a sunrise will come up and it's just too dang pretty to not believe that there is a creator out there and we're reminded of god's love in that moment or maybe it's that newborn baby when they grab a hold of our finger and all of a sudden we're reminded that warmth that blanket of god's kingdom just kind of wraps around our soul and we just feel the presence of god in that moment and we do that and we're reminded and we're drawn back in and that that stone is rolled away from that tomb And that's where these women were in this moment. They stepped into the tomb. The scripture says they stepped in and they saw a man sitting there. An angel was sitting there in the tomb. They saw the the stone had been rolled back and they thought, man, we should, ladies, we should probably take a look, see what's in there. And the scripture says in verses four through six that it was entering the tomb. They saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe and they were, they were alarmed. Yeah, I would be too walking into a, a tomb looking for a dead man and there's an alive man sitting there that's not the dead man. And he's, he's an angel in glowing white apparel. And the angel says to him, do not be alarmed. That's yeah, easy for you to say, angel. He says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. See, this angel is He's looking at these humans, and he's all the angels are always looking at us like, I wish y'all would just get it together. And he says this phrase, he is risen. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church, but if you grew up in church at Easter time, we kind of do this thing in churches where a pastor, a leader, somebody in the church will announce, he is risen, and the church will respond, he is risen indeed. And we'll say that, he is risen, he is risen indeed. And we'll say that, and it's kind of a rallying cry for us at Easter time, and you know we didn't we didn't walk with jesus during his ministry we weren't alive with jesus and we we're easy to recant that statement he is risen he is risen indeed and here it is for the first time in human history uh, in in uh, in mark 16 uh, verse number six this angel says that he is risen he is not here he he says it in this moment he is risen and these women who lived life with him they saw the miracles they they walked with jesus they were there they saw this happen they were with him And their response is not to celebrate he is risen indeed. Their response is to run in fear, struggling with their faith in this moment, this cataclysmic moment. You know, if I'm rewriting history, if I'm writing a myth right here, that's not how I write this story. I don't write their response to say that they ran in fear. Say, if I'm writing this, I, I say that they jump up in the tomb and celebrate with the angel, and the angel whisks them away to meet Jesus. He is risen, and they run in terror, struggling with faith. It's kind of comforting to know that, to know that these people who lived with Jesus can struggle with faith, because I know I struggle sometimes. I know sometimes things aren't working out the way I think they should work out, and I wonder if, God, are you really around? Where can I find you? And this is where they are in this moment. Mary, are you sure the tomb is empty? They peeked in. It's not there. The angel is there. And the angel then tells them, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. I love that he says it like that. I love that he says, tell the disciples and Peter. He calls Peter out because during the crucifixion, Peter had denied Christ just as Jesus predicted that he would. And Peter, you know Peter being one of Jesus' closest men, that he was Depressed that Jesus was dead, he felt like he had betrayed Jesus in the moment. And here he is, man. Here he is being called out. This angel saying, "Go check on the disciples, and go check on Peter too, and let him know that he's gone before you. That Jesus has gone before you to Galilee, and that you're going to see him." And then he adds this comma right after the comma. He says, "There, you go, there, you will see him in Galilee." He says, "Just as you, just as he told you." I love that he adds that as like a, almost like a smart aleck reminder. Like, listen, Jesus told you three times just in this book of Mark that he was going to be captured, he was going to be tortured, crucified, killed, buried, and on the third day he was going to rise and go and meet you in Galilee. He's like, he told you this. He's like, you will there you will see him in Galilee just as he told you. It's unbelievable. Jesus told them all of this. He told them what was coming, and they weren't listening to him before. Before, when he told them, all they talked about with each other was <laughs> they just talked to each other about how uh, who was going to be the, the greatest when Jesus left. Kind of like when Michael Jordan left the Bulls, the Bulls arguing about who's the greatest player on the Bulls. This is even bigger than that. But Jesus said, listen, I'm going to be captured. I'm going to die and rise again. It confused them, and they just argued about the disciples, about who was going to be the greatest when Jesus is gone. And then he, t- he told them one other time when they're on this other walk and along the way, uh, a along the way moment. We read about this one too. And they're arguing, they're arguing, they're, they're trying to ask Jesus, when you come back, which one of us is going to be your top dog? Who's going to be the one sitting at your right hand? It's just funny where these disciples go. You know, I love to he- see how they just um, really fumbled fumbled their faith walk just like we do. It gives me comfort knowing that if these disciples, these titans of faith can screw it up this way, surely there's room for us to screw up too. Surely there's room for God's grace to cover us when, when, we, when we mess up in our faith walks, when we think that we're on the right track and we get off off kiltered, off track, and we're, we're nowhere near where God intended us to be, but like a bunch of toddlers that you turn loose at the park and let them go play, god the father just kind of enjoys watching us walk in faith along with him on this journey this is one of those stories that kind of is a comforting moment now the cliffhanger moment is one that we kind of know what the rest of the story but holds that when the women run away the other gospels give us the story matthew luke and john tell us that the women do break their silence and go tell the others about jesus being risen that they break that silence you see God is too big for there to be small people. Don't lose sight of that. These women were the first ones to deliver the message of the gospel. They were the first ones to carry the gospel to the rest of the world. Women, these three women were the first ones to see that Jesus was not dead, that the tomb was empty. They were the first ones to go tell people about the resurrected Savior, Jesus. God is too big for there to be small people. They saw the empty tomb. They're the first ones to tell the gospel to the world. See, if I'm writing a myth, I'm not writing it that way. I'm making the men the titans. I'm putting them on there telling that story for the first time. Such good news. In the other gospels, the account goes when they go and tell the they tell the the, the, the disciples about the about Jesus being risen, that the tomb is empty. Yeah, that that Peter. John's Gospel tells us that Peter then runs back to the tomb to see for his own eyes that the tomb is empty. Some scholars estimate that that run, considering where crucifixion happened and where the tomb is uh, projected to be today, that that run was about three-quarters of a mile or about one kilometer, a 1K. Now, that's the kind of race I can get behind right there, a 1K. That's about my distance, three-quarters of a mile. That's, the, that's the, the, the Easter fundraiser 1K that I need to run right there. The risen 1K. Peter ran back to the tomb. He had to see it with his own eyes. In Mark's gospel, it ends in a cliffhanger. The visual of these women running away from the tomb in silence, scared in the moment, and we know that to be continued. Mark's quick Easter account is full of the good news. The, to the disciples who had abandoned him and to Peter who had denied him, Jesus' word was I will meet you in Galilee that's where the new story will begin Mark's gospel his entire book is about Jesus and the cross it's what Mark focuses on the work of Jesus and the importance of the cross and how important of a work that is for us in our faith without the cross without the work of the cross without the life of Jesus without the resurrection what have we but nothing but to be lost separated, disconnected from a perfect and holy God and finally, the women in this story, afraid and silent, afraid and silent in the moment. Many of us are afraid and silent with what we know about Jesus, too. And we're not facing near the consequences that people in this day faced when they talked about Him. We're not facing death. We're in the United States. Don't Please don't you dare tell me that we're facing persecution in this country. I need you to go see what it looks like in some other places in the world. Persecution is not being told, Happy Holidays on a Starbucks, on a Starbucks coffee, coffee cup. We have no reason to be silent. So church, why are we so silent about these things of God? Why are we so quick to talk about it amongst ourselves, but so silent to talk about it amongst others? Now is not the time to be silent. You are not too small to communicate the message of God. You see, God is too big for there to be small people. God is too big for there to be small people. Are we lowly? Yeah, sure, we're lowly. Yes. Do you feel lowly? Well, you're in perfect position then because God specializes in lifting the lowly. Listen, nobody is more lowly than I am. God specializes in using the lowly for His kingdom work and for His work in the community. God specializes in using the lowly. Just like in this story, these women, much like these women, they they found their voice. They were silent for a moment and they found their voice. There is rarely a more powerful voice than the voice of someone who was once silent who then finds the confidence in their voice. That's what we have to do. You have to find your voice. God wired you in a specific way to communicate with a certain vernacular and cadence. You be you. God created you with your personality. Be you in that communication. It's not just dropping what you're doing and uh, air quote confronting somebody with the gospel. How about we start with confronting them by inviting them to our house for dinner? How about we start with that? How about we start with relationship? How about we start with being familiar with people, being friendly, of showing love in our communities, and, you, and, be, and that being a part of loving people, loving God and loving people to communicate the gospel message, this message that these women carried. Jeff, you've got to find your voice. Maybe sometimes we take a walk around the park, and that's what what I'm going to do as soon as we bust out right here. Maybe we just take a walk in silence like these women did when they left the tomb. Maybe we take a walk. Maybe our walk, luckily for us, it's not in fear, but we take a walk for just a moment, and we find our voice. The world needs your voice. God is too big for there to be small people. Do you believe it? Can you say it? can you live it this is not a time or a generation or a season where we can just walk away from the tomb and stay silent God is too big for there to be small people God's given you all the tools that you need you just got to go walk in it let us pray God I thank you for this time today I thank you for uh, connecting us all together in this moment God I pray that if we are holding back somewhere reveal that to us Reveal to us where we are holding back, where we are not stepping out in faith to pursue what you have called us to. God, let us see the times where we're biting our tongue, where we know what we need to say to people in love, where we know how we need to uh, be involved in our community or whether it be in our church or our job or our school. Let us know when, remind us when we're holding back. Remind us to, to try not to be silent in that moment. Let us see where we could speak up a little bit more. Not in a confronting way, in a loving way, in a way that shows we have true concern. Let us have true concern. Let us remember to care and love for the forgotten, the abandoned, the broken, the marginalized, and the left behind. God, let us see where we can step into unknown situations and situations we're not really sure about. But let us step into those situations knowing that we have the power of you with us. God, I pray if we if if, if I pray we if we could not fail what small baby step would we take today? If we knew we could not fail because you're there to pick us up, that our failures are really just learning experiences, God, show us the steps, no matter how small that we need to take today, to be to find the voices that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for the voices. We thank you for the community you've put us in and the life you've given us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Thank y'all for listening to the podcast. See y'all next time.